All right, this morning I want to bring a message that I have entitled First Things First. First things first. And in our house, we have various roles that are specific to individuals. People have their roles to play. We share out the joy of chores in our house so that everyone plays their part. And uh, yeah, we have specific things. So I do most of the cooking. Ruth does the laundry. I don't even know how to work the washing machine. Um, I uh, look after the emptying the bins, making sure the recycling is done. Ruth does most of the dusting and the hoovering. We've got a Henry Hoover. When that decision was made, I said I will not be doing the hoovering because I hate Henry Hoovers. I can't hack them. I want an upright Hoover. So we made that agreement. Ruth was in agreement with that and we, we went on and made that purchase. Um, but there can be some crossover in these roles, you know, where one person helps the other out, and that's the way it should be in a relationship, in a family. But there is one job. There is one job in our house where I do not need or want any help, and that is stacking the dishwasher. I may not have learned DIY from my father, but I learned how to stack a dishwasher. There's an order to things. There is a structure to making sure that you get as much out of the space that you are provided with. You've got to do things in the right way. There's an order to it. That's how I like it. That's how it is. And woe betide anyone who does it wrong. The kids empty the dishwasher, that's fine, because there's no order to emptying it. But I've structured it in such a way that it's easy for them to, to empty. That's my job. That's my role. But order is important, isn't it? You know, when it comes to packing the shopping in the supermarket, you put the heavy things in first so the eggs don't break. There's a structure, there's an order to life. When it comes to watching films with sequels, so we sat down the other day to watch a movie. We watched Enola Holmes, which is like a spin-off of Sherlock Holmes. And uh, there's two of these movies. And we went to watch the first one. And halfway through, we realized we were watching the second one. We hadn't seen the first one. So we're going to have to watch that backwards. But there's an order to, to things. And it's important that you get things in the right way and it's not just in the little stuff but it's in the big stuff too when it comes to prioritizing your life God comes first God comes first if you're married your spouse comes second if you've got kids your family your kids they come next and then follows work ministry and everything else that I believe is the order that we should be putting our life but above all God must come first God must come first. In Matthew 6, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so this morning, I want to help us as a church to get the first things first, to find some order in our lives, to get our priorities in place so we can start this new year right. Are you with me on that? Good. So we're going to look at four things, and the first one is this, the first of our day. When it comes to the first of our day, I believe that before anything important happens, before anything important happens, that we should spend some time with God. That at the very beginning of our day, before we get stuck into our to-do list, we should spend some time with God. And I guarantee that that will set the tone for the rest of of your day. And now I'm not saying that as soon as your alarm goes off, you need to be on your knees in prayer. If you are anything like me, 
the first thing you do when you wake up is far more urgent than getting on your knees in prayer. Some of you are slowly beginning to get that one. I won't spell it out for you. I'm not saying you need to do it immediately. I'm not saying you need to do it immediately. But before anything significant happens in your day, before you get stuck into work or your chores or whatever it is, spend some time with your heavenly father. Now, if I'm truly honest, it's something that I, uh, I've struggled with a little bit personally, and it's something that I'm working on myself. And, you know, recently I've had to challenge myself with the question that when I wake up in the morning and I pick up my phone, what is the first app that I'm opening? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Am I checking the news? Am I checking the weather? Or am I opening the Bible app and reading the verse of the day to kickstart things in the way that I should? And you know, I've started to make use of the verse of the day. I get a notification first thing in the morning. This is the verse of the day. So I can open the Bible app first and I can read the verse of the day. And there's a little bit of a reflection on that. It's three to four minutes long. If you've not got the version Bible app on your phone, get it. And it's got this this devotion. It's three to four minutes. No matter how busy we are in life, we can all find three to four minutes at the beginning of our day to read a little bit of scripture. If nothing else, if nothing else, you can find three or four minutes to do that. And they've also introduced this kind of guided prayer thing. So if you want to go a little bit deeper, if you want to spend a little bit more time in your Bible on your phone at the beginning of the day, you can do that. And that's great. But I just want to encourage us that the first thing we do in our day is that we honor God. And even if it's just a simple prayer, God, I love you. You are awesome. Bless this day. And then on we go. Even if it's that, you've acknowledged God at the beginning of the day. You've put the first things first. You know, early in the morning, every single morning without fail, someone in our congregation sends me a message. And it's like two to three lines long. It's not long, but it's this encouragement. It's this thought for the day. It's this prayer. And it just, it builds me up and it encourages me. You know, if I've not opened the Bible at first, then I can be sure there'll be a message on my phone that I can open and read and focus my attention on God. I am so blessed by that. It says in Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Early will I seek you. I am not a morning person. I am not a morning person. And maybe you're not a morning person either. So maybe a challenge for you as we enter into this 21 days of prayer and fasting, maybe for you, your fast could be sleep. And I'm not saying don't get any sleep because that's important to life, but maybe set your alarm an hour earlier and get up a little bit earlier and sacrifice that hour in bed at the beginning of the day to spend some time with God. You know, one of my friend's Probably one of the hardest working people I know, before anything else, at the beginning of his day, he gets up, he goes to work, he makes himself a brew, and he spends 20, 30 minutes in his Bible. And that's his priority. That's the thing that he does, and and that's not negotiable. He does it every day. 
And I just think that kind of habit, that kind of, uh, that kind of life priority is just, it's excellent. It's a great example of, of commitment, of faithfulness, of good priorities. So what I want to encourage us at the start of this year is let's get the first things first. Let's put the first things first. You know, if you look at the life of Jesus, there are so many examples of of repeated behaviours that he he does throughout his life and ministry. And you see that he goes about healing the sick everywhere he goes. He teaches truth and he teaches love and he brings hope to the broken. And he does all of these things over and over again, setting the tone, setting the culture of, of how we should live. And Actually, one of the most repeated patterns of behaviors that Jesus demonstrates is that he would get alone with his father. That he gets away from the busyness of life and he spends time with his father, connecting to God, being filled and empowered by the presence of his father. And scripture tells us again that he often did this early in the morning in Mark verse Mark chapter 1 verse 35 it says very early in the morning while it was still dark Jesus got up and he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed I don't know about you but at the minute when you wake up and it's still dark outside like it is right now I just want to stay in bed And three snoozes later on my alarm and I'm dragging myself out of bed because I just want to stay in the warmth and the comfort of where I am. But as we look at the life of Jesus, as we look at the patterns that he lived out in his life, there's clearly an importance here, not only to seeking the presence of God, but seeking him first in our day. But seeking him first in our day. And maybe getting up at 5 a.m. is not for you, and that's fine. But can we commit to getting into God's presence before we do anything else? Before we get stuck in to our day? Because if the Son of God needed to do it, then how much more do we need to do it? If he needed it, we definitely need it. And that's not to say that you can't pray on your lunch break. And it's not to say that you can't read your Bible just before you go to bed. Those things are absolutely fine. But there's something special about getting in the presence of God right at the beginning of our day. Right at the beginning of our day. So the second thing is this. We're going to look at the first of the week. The first of our day, we're seeking God. And the first of our week, we are worshipping God. And we're worshipping Him Together, that is this, right here in church, the first of our week. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. You know, I believe that we should all be prioritizing church on Sundays. I've said it before that for us, it's a non-negotiable. There's no question about whether or not we are coming to church on our Sunday. And that's not just because you pay me to be here. That is, before I took on this job, it was a non-negotiable in our lives. We're going to church. It's Sunday. That's where I want to be. In Hebrews 10, it says we should not neglect. We should not give up meeting together, as some people are in the habit of doing. In Acts chapter 2, they met together every day. 
Every day they would get together. Life is perhaps too busy for that these days, but the first of our day, we can get with God one-on-one. The first of our week, let's gather together corporately and worship him. Do you know, I believe that, that how often you attend church, how regularly you attend church, worshiping corporately, feeding from God's work, building this sense of community and connecting with other followers of Jesus, I believe, and it's kind of what Gary was speaking into earlier, that actually it could be a reflection on how desperately you see your need for God. If you recognize that actually I need God more than anything else, then there is nothing that could hold you back from getting in this place every Sunday to be surrounded with like-minded people and worshiping your heavenly Father. You know, if you only come to church when you've had a good night's sleep or when it's light outside or when you've got out of the right side of the bed, if that's the only time that you come to church, then I wonder how desperately you see your need for God. But if we recognize our need for God, that not only did he create us, but he gave us the very breath in our lungs. Everything that we have comes from him. Then nothing will hold us back. Nothing will stop us gathering together in this place and worshiping our heavenly father. You know, your soul needs this. The Bible talks about it time and time again, about the importance of, of gathering together as a community of believers. Being with God, just you and him. Reading your Bible, praying just in that solitary place like Jesus did. That is so important. But so is gathering together with God's people. So is being surrounded with people like this. Worshipping together corporately. It is vital. Our soul needs it. Knowing that you've got that support of a loving family who will pray for you when you need it, who will lift you up when you've fallen down, who will celebrate with you in the good times. We need this. We need this. We can't do it on our own. We weren't supposed to do it on our own. That is why God created someone else. He didn't just create Adam. He created Eve because it's not good for man to be alone. We need to be connected to each other here's a question that never gets asked in our house shall we eat today shall we eat today i don't know if we should bother here's another question that never gets asked in our house shall we go to church should we bother with church yes yes of course we're going to bother with church and yes of course we're going to eat And I believe that coming to church is just as important as eating because this is food for our souls. We need this. We've got to be together in God's presence, worshiping him, building community. It's just as important as feeding our physical bodies. So church, let's get the first things first. Let's put the first things first. The first of our day, we're going to seek God. The first of our week, we're going to worship him together. And the first of our month, we're going to worship God with our tithe. We're going to worship God with our tithe. Let's look at Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. It says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs 
to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Our tithe not only belongs to him, because everything that we have comes from him. This verse goes further to say that our tithe is holy to the Lord. What we give to him is an honor to him. It's a blessing to him. It is worship to him. So the first of our months, we are going to give a tithe, a tenth, and not just 10%, but the first tenth, the first tenth. So if we're getting first things first, if we're getting our priorities right, if we're getting the order to our life right, we need to be giving God the first tenth. The first tenth. Not waiting to see if there's anything left at the end of the month. Not waiting until then to to see if we can just about scrape together a tenth to give to God. The first tenth. You know, when we have people round for dinner, uh, there's a culture certainly in my life that there's an order of how you serve up the food. And that order for me is guests first. And then eldest first, and then women before men. So if you are a female, older guest, you're getting your dinner before everyone else. And that's just how it flows. That's just how it flows, at least for me. What I don't do is make sure that me and Ruth and the kids have got good-sized portions, the best bits of the dinner, and then we look at what's left and go, ah, guest, you can have the burnt Yorkshire pudding And this tiny remaining sliver of cheesecake is up for grabs for you. That is not what we do. We bless and we honor them with the first, the best. And that's how it should be when we give to God. That we give him our first. That we give him our best. And I don't know, maybe tithing is a new concept to you. And if you want to talk to me, And if you want to debate with me about the principle of tithing, let's do it. Because I am 100% behind this as a biblical principle. But if you're thinking, John, in order to give the first 10% of my income, before I pay any bills, before I buy any food, then I'm going to have to reorder everything in my life. Yeah, you are. That is exactly the point that I am making. And it's not just for our tithe, it's for the whole of what we're talking about this morning. That if we are putting the first things first, if we are getting our priorities right in life, in the way in which we honor and worship God, then yes, we're going to have to reorder some stuff. We're going to have to shake up some stuff. It's going to become a little bit awkward and challenging and uncomfortable for us at times. But that is the point if we want to give our best to God. And maybe you're thinking, John, I I can't afford to give 10%. I'm just going to be real with you. I can't afford 10%. That's not going to work in my setting, in my context. And and I'm not going to coerce you. And I'm not going to force you in any way, shape, or form. That is not what I'm here to do. But what I can do is tell you about my personal experience. Because for Ruth and I, this is a principle that we live out and we have lived out for a long time. And let me tell you, it's not always easy. 
Because sometimes when we sit down and we look at our income versus our fixed outgoings before anything else, it is not a pretty picture. It doesn't look good. And so thinking about 10% becomes a bit of a challenge. But do you know what? God always provides. God always provides. He has never once failed us. We've never missed a rent payment, a mortgage payment ever. Even when you look at our account and you think, how on earth is this working? I believe it's because we give God our first and we give God our best. We need to put the first, thing, first things first. We need to give God our first and we need to give God our best. So the first of our day, we're going to seek God. The first of our week, we're going to worship together. The first of our month, we're going to give God our tithe. And the first of our year, we're going to bring a fast. The first of our year, we're going to bring a fast. And a fast is something that we sacrifice. It's something that we deny ourselves with the the sole purpose of pressing into God's presence, of devoting ourselves to him. That is why we fast as a church at the beginning of the year. What a fast is not is a diet. It's not a diet. That might be a benefit if you choose to fast a meal or fast food, but that is not the main thing. That is not the why behind the what. And you know, people fast for all kinds of reasons. Maybe you bring a fast to, uh, to, to believe that the sick will be healed. Or maybe you bring a fast because you're looking for wisdom and clarity around an important decision. Or maybe you're bringing a fast because you just want to feel God's presence more. And those are all great things. And you read through scripture and fasting is a principle that happens throughout. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus himself all fasted for 40 days. They fasted food. Now that's a challenge and I'm not saying that we should do that. Because you've got to be mindful of, you know, your health and stuff. I know people who have done this who have done a Jesus fast, but beforehand they went to the doctor and said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm I'm planning on doing this. How do I prepare myself physically to fast food for 40 days? Because that's not an easy thing to do. But what we do as a church is that we bring God a fast for 21 days. Not for an answer to prayer, not to see the sick healed, not for wisdom around a decision, but simply to get in his presence simply to put the first things first in our year. That God, before anything else, before anything else, I'm going to fast to to show you that I, I want to seek you, to show you, God, that I want you to lead my year. That I don't want to enter into the rest of 2023 trying to do things in my own strength. God, what I want is to put you first. What I want is for you to lead me, for you to guide me. So church, as we enter into this 21 days, starting tomorrow, I pray and I hope that you are with us in this, that you will find something that you can give up, that you can sacrifice for the next 21 days. The first rule of fasting is don't talk about fasting. The second rule of fasting is don't talk about fasting. 
In Matthew, you're thinking, what the heck are you on about? Some of you got the reference. In Matthew 6, 16 to 18, it says, And when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so that their fasting might be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Tomorrow morning, as you make the decision to give something up, to fast something for God over this next 21 days, what you don't need to do is create a nice little Facebook post that lets all of your followers know, hey, look at me. I'm giving up this for the next 21 days. How amazing am I? Next Sunday, when we gather together at Lillian Methodist Church, what you don't need to do is find someone in the congregation and say, it's been hard this week. I'm really struggling with this fast. It is so difficult. How are you doing? It's so, we don't need to do that. We do not need to do that. Our fast is something that we offer to God and we offer it with joy in our hearts. This is a blessing for me to give this up for you. And it's something personal between me and God, between you and God. God, I'm doing this for you, not for other people to see me and to praise me and to give me honor and glory, but simply so that I can get in your presence so that I can put first things first. Ruth and I chatted this week about what we were going to give up. It's helpful as a couple for you to give up the same thing so that you're not tempted by the other person. You know, if one of you decides I'm going to give up sugar and then the other person is sitting there gorging the leftover Christmas chocolates at the end of the day, that is going to be an extra challenge for you. So we, we chatted about what we were going to fast and Ruth point blank said, I'm not fasting food. It will make me grumpy. It's the same for me, particularly if I'd give up tea as well. I'm not going to fast food. It makes me grumpy and that won't be good for anyone. And that is absolutely true because the truth is that our face and our words and our behavior throughout this next 21 days as we begin to bring this fast should be one of joy. It should be one of joy where actually we're drawing closer to God and not being grumpy and not being miserable, and not sulking about the whole thing because we're abstaining from something. Now let's get practical for a minute about what it is that you can fast, because you don't need to fast all food for the next 21 days. You don't need to fast a meal if you don't want to. You can do that. You could fast a certain type of food. You could fast drinks and just have water for the next 21 days. You could fast social media if that's something that, that you spend a lot of time in. You could fast secular music and only listen to worship for the next 21 days. You could fast your lunch hour maybe. And I'm not talking about the food, but the time. And you could spend that hour with God in his presence. What could you fast over the next 21 days? It should be anything that will challenge you and that will give you time to be in his presence. Remember, it's not a diet. We're not doing this to, to improve our lives. This is not a social experiment. 
We're doing this to get in God's presence. So give up something that will be a challenge and that every time you think, you know, if you give up social media, every time you reach for your phone, delete the apps because you'll forget. Every time you reach for your phone and you go to open Facebook and realize that it's not there, it will remind you, oh yeah, I'm fasting, if you've forgotten. And then you can seek God. Every time lunchtime arrives and you think, okay, I'm not eating lunch today, that will be a reminder. Oh, I'm going to get with God right now. What can you do that will be a challenge for you, but that will encourage you more and more to be in his presence, to seek him first? We've decided to, to fast telly, just so you know. We watch far too much TV, so we are giving up TV for the next 21 days to spend more time with God. But whatever works for you. I'm not here to dictate what you fast. I'm just here to encourage you to enter into it with us. Are you with me on this? I hope so. Because I think it, there's a benefit to it. We're not just doing this because we do this every year. We do this because there's benefit to doing it every year. That as we give God the first of our year through this fast, that it means that we're setting the tone for the rest of the year. Like getting before God at the beginning of your day, you set the tone for the day. We're setting the tone for the rest of the year. God, I'm giving you my year. I'm giving you my year. I might have plans. I might have hopes. I might have dreams for what 2023 looks like. But God, your will be done in my life above anything else. Because God's plans and God's purposes are far greater than anything we can cook up ourselves. And so, yeah, you can have plans and thoughts and dreams about what this year looks like. But as we bring this fast, as we spend 21 days in prayer, what we're saying to God is, I'm putting you first, above everything else, above all my plans, above all my hopes, above all my dreams. God, your will be done. Your will be done. Paul says in Galatians 5, and this in context doesn't really have anything to do with fasting, but I think there's some application here. In verse 16 to 17, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And what does he mean by flesh? He's talking about our, our sinful nature. He's talking about our physical being. The, the Spirit and the flesh are both hungry. And so the question is, which are you going to feed? The spirit and the flesh are both hungry, so which are we going to feed? For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these two are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. As we bring a fast, there's a challenge here because what will happen is we, as we're denying our flesh... with the sole purpose of feeding our spirit. There's a conflict here because our flesh wants one thing and our spirit wants another. And that's not to say that food and TV and social media and whatever it is that we choose to give up is evil because that is not what I'm saying. But what I think will happen is that during the next 21 days, we'll find a bit of tension in our lives. We'll find a bit of conflict. We'll find a moment where we're thinking, oh, maybe I could just 
quickly nip on Facebook for a minute and check what's going on. Or I'll just pop the telly on. Or I'll just, I'm quite hungry, so I'm going to eat this meal. Our flesh wants one thing, but our spirit wants another. So we've got to be willing to sacrifice. We've got to be strong enough to get through it. And I don't know if we can get through it in our own strength. And that's why <clears throat> we're putting God first. We're seeking him. God, will you help me? Isn't that ironic that actually in order to put God first at the beginning of our year, we need his help to get through it. God, I want to give you 21 days of fasting, whatever it is. But will you help me? Get through it. Will you help me do the thing that I'm committing to doing? Let's choose to give something up, to spend more time with him, to, to honour him with our sacrifice, to honour him with the thing that we are denying ourselves. Because the truth is that whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you feed in your life will grow. And whatever grows in your life will lead you. Whatever grows in your life will lead you. And so what we're choosing to do at the beginning of this year is to feed our spirit, not our flesh. To feed our spirit, not our flesh. And what does the, the spirit want? The spirit wants intimacy with the Father. The spirit wants to build that relationship. The spirit wants more time in his word, more time in worship to go deeper with our Father. The Spirit wants to live a life of obedience in faith. So over the next 21 days, as we put the first things first in our lives, are we going to feed our spirits or are we going to feed the flesh? Well, I pray and I hope that as we commit this beginning of our year to God, that we will feed our spirit. And that over the 21 days, our spirit will begin to grow. And because it has grown so uh, important in our lives, that it will then begin to lead us as we move on into the rest of this year. Let's feed our spirit so it can grow and then lead us. Amen. Let's get the first things first. And God is first. God is first. Before the world even began there was God. Before anything began, there was God. And the truth is that we don't put God first. God is first. But what I've been talking about this morning is about prioritizing our lives in line with that. God is first. And so we should order and organize our lives to reflect that he is first, that he is already first. And so the first of our day, we're going to seek God, before anything else, before we get stuck into our to-do lists, before we dive in to work, before anything else, we're going to seek God at the beginning of our day. At the beginning of our week, we're going to gather together as the body of Christ and we are going to worship our Heavenly Father, the only one who deserves all honour and all praise and all glory. At the beginning of the month, we're going to worship God with our tithe with our first 10%, with our best. Not with the dregs, not with what remains, but with the best and the first that we have to offer. And at the first of our year, we're going to bring a fast to align and focus our lives on God, the author and the perfecter of our faith, to seek his will and seek his purpose 
above anything else. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Let's put the first things first. Amen. Thank you.